This is episode 248 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life. Today's articles are New to Prepping, 12 Tips to Get You Started, and Venezuela Collapse, Survival of a Prepper in the World's Worst Economy. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, welcome to another week of the Prepper Website Podcast and great episodes. Hopefully you had a great weekend and you got some time to rest and enjoy uh, your time with family. Hey, I want to point out just a couple of things before we actually start uh, getting into our articles I was on Twitter earlier today and saw an article from Breitbart. Uh, the title, well, it kind of caught my attention. The title was California Weekly Flu Deaths at 36, Worse Than 2009 Swine Flu Pandemic. And so it reads, this, this is just the first line here, California reported 36 flu deaths for the week ending February 3rd as the influenza pandemic is on track to be worse than the 2009 outbreak of swine flu. So again, that's one state, although it's a big state, right? 36 deaths uh, attributed to the flu in just one week. And so I know, you know, on uh, Prepper website and then on Facebook uh, pages and stuff like that, you have both extremes. You have people like, oh, this is not that big of a deal. This is, you know, this is typical flu. And then you have other people like, oh my gosh, it's the next pandemic. This is why I talk about you just need to be prepped and aware, you know, uh, is just because they're, you know, the flu season is... Uh, it's it's a little bit more uh, challenging than it has been in the past. Uh, you know, lately when I have been meeting people, and uh, you know, just recently I was uh, this last week I was in a situation where I was meeting a lot of people, and I wasn't shaking hands. I was doing the fist bump, and uh, you know, jokingly I say, "Hey, no, let's let's fist bump," you know, flu and all that, and and everyone would chuckle, but everyone was like, "Yeah, you're you're right. That's a good idea," you know. And, and no one, no one said, oh, come on, you don't believe all that or, oh, come on, you know, you're not, no, because they know people are getting sick. They, they have, uh, you know, family members who are sick. They know people that are sick, people, their, their, uh, you know, colleagues that are, that are, uh, sick with the flu or whatever it might be. So, you know, no one had a problem with just bumping fists, uh, instead of shaking hands because they know it's, it's out there and it's something to, uh, uh, to consider. So just kind of wanted to throw that out there. Uh, be smart when you're out there in public and you are just dealing with people, right? The other thing I wanted to point out uh, is that I did get an alert on my Suspicious Observers, uh, the disaster app. And it's not that big of a deal, uh, but it, it did just come. I haven't seen one of these in a while. It says a long-duration C-class solar flare has produced a small CME near center disk. Updates coming in the morning news. Now, C-class is not that big of a deal, but uh, just I wanted to kind of point that out because the disaster app is, uh, I think it's a, a worthwhile app to have. You get apps or you get alerts every time, uh, you know, like a big earthquake happens or whatever. Uh, you have, you know, solar flaring. Uh, but the other thing about that is that on uh, the Prepper website Facebook group, uh, we we do link to Ben Suspicious Observers uh, YouTube every morning around four o'clock in the morning. He puts out. Uh, a new YouTube video and uh, just talking about space weather and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, we do link to that 
every single morning. It's kind of like an automatic thing. So if you didn't want to go to YouTube and search for it, you could just be a part of the Facebook group and make sure that you get that. And so I uh, just wanted to kind of point that out to you. All right, so let's go ahead and move into our first article of the podcast. Our first article comes to us from 1776PatriotUSA.com. And the title of the article is New to Prepping, 12 Tips to Get You Started. Yeah, I know there's a lot of people that are new to preparedness. I've heard from you on, you know, through email and through social media. Uh, you've hit the, the podcast uh, for whatever reason. You were searching other things and you hit the podcast. And, and uh, some of the things that we talk about uh, have really piqued your interest. And so you might be new to prepping or uh, you might have, you know, you might have realized that, you know what, this world is crazy. This world is, uh, you know, there are some things that are concerning and so you might be new to prepping. And so this is a, a good, uh, well-rounded article. You know, it's not very long, but there's some key things here that maybe you would go out and you would start to research and, and uh, you know, focus your preparedness. Because when you are new to preparedness, it's very easy to get sidetracked and, and go, you know, way off on everything. I think this article provides you some really great areas to focus on. So let's go ahead and start reading this one. Getting started in prepping can be a daunting task, and one can easily get overwhelmed. With the headlines of today, it's easy to feel a huge sense of urgency to get ready now, with many giving up because they just don't have the money or the time to invest. These myths can mean the difference between taking the necessary steps to prepare or not. One point that needs to be made is that everything does not have to be done at once. While I would not suggest any further hesitation, baby steps will get you in a much better position than not starting at all. So here are the 12 preparedness tips. Number one is store what you eat. It is not necessary to purchase a year's supply of food all at once, nor is it required to buy expensive freeze-dried products. When doing regular grocery shopping, throw in a few more cans of beef stew, corn, and a couple of bags of rice. Build a pantry with every trip and over time. You know, uh, going back to the Facebook uh, group, uh, Stephen posted a picture of his pantry and talked about how uh, he had been building it up over time a little bit at a time. And that's exactly the way that you should do it. I mean, you know, and I've said this before, if you have a lot of money, if you're very wealthy and you can go out and just drop down thousands of dollars on a, a year's worth of food, you know, by all means, go, go, you know, go ahead and go do that. Uh, that'll give you a little bit of peace of mind. But for the, for most of us who don't have that kind of money, you know, just prepping a little bit at a time makes sense. So you go and, and you buy your, your weekly menu, right? Whatever you're going to cook for that week. And you just add a little bit more to it, a little bit at a time. And if you are purposeful and you do it correctly, you will build up a nice, you know, food pantry over time. And so, you know, somebody commented on Stephen's, uh, on Stephen's post here and said, uh, you know, uh, buy when things are on sale and then you have it uh, for when, uh, you know, things are, uh, you know, they're more expensive. So, you know, you can always, uh, you know, do that dollar cost averaging on that. So definitely store what you eat. Number two is store extra water and get a water filter. Water is fairly cheap with a case of pure bottled water running under $3 for 24 bottles. Stacking 10 in the corner of the garage is a great start. Soft drink bottles can be washed out and refilled with water from the tap. For most who throw these bottles away, this is an ultra-low budget water storage method. 
A good water filter will be extremely useful should water stop flowing from the faucet. A couple of Sawyer mini water filters will filter thousands of gallons of water. Add a Sawyer water filter bucket kit and a filter water and filter water for the entire family. Okay, so I, I completely agree here. I don't agree with setting it in the garage. And again, that's going to depend on where you live. Uh, I don't know where John John lives uh, in the country, but uh, like in, in Houston, I would not put uh, bottles of water in the garage uh, just because it gets so hot and I wouldn't want the plastic getting, uh, you know, getting hot and, and, you know, leaching into water and things like that. Uh, like food, I think you need to rotate your bottles of water out as well and uh, have a system for doing that. The two liter bottles, soda bottles, I think that's a great way of doing it. Again, you need to have a place to store it. Um, you know, doing it in the garage, I know for me, I do have water bottles in there, but they're not for drinking. It's just kind of like, you know, if I need to flush the toilet or whatever. Um, but storage is the issue, right? You need to find a place where you can store water and, uh, it, you know, inside where it, it is at a, a decent temperature. And, uh, but doing the, the soda water, the two liter soda bottles, I think is great. You, you just want to make sure that you rinse them out really, really well. And then when you fill them up, if you want to put a couple of drops of, of bleach in there just to, to you know, feel safe, you can do that. A lot of people say it's not necessary, and then other people will tell you that it is necessary. Uh, we've done a lot of articles on that on the past, and even here on the, on the podcast as well. All right, number three, have a plan to bug out. With the dangers that this world presents, the need to relocate or bug out is certainly one to consider. If something should occur in your area and bugging out is needed, a plan should be made well ahead of time. It may be as simple as going to Aunt Betsy's out in the country 30 minutes down the road or traveling to the state park located a couple of towns over. Regardless, have a plan of action. Oh, and make sure everyone in the family knows this plan in case communications are down and not everyone can get home. A secondary meetup point is also a good idea. And so that bug out plan, you know, I would suggest have a bug out plan. I think everyone needs to have it because I know people talk about I'm bugging in. And bugging in, I think for most people, unless you have a retreat or you have like John saying here, uh, Aunt Betsy's, you know, 30 minutes down the road and she lives in a rural setting. If you have that, great. And you can go, that's great. But most people are going to be bugging in. But like I always go back to Hurricane Harvey. You know, there were some people that could not bug in. You know, their idea of, hey, we're going to always bug in. But then they got flooded out. They needed to bug out. Where are you going to go to? You need to have some options, and that's why you need to have a plan. All right, number four is don't get caught up in specifics. While you may have had your interest in preparedness peaked after watching a YouTube video on EMP, there are much more likely threats that exist daily. With this in mind, cover the basics of preparedness. Food, water, medical, defense, shelter. I remember when Doomsday Preppers was out, right? And uh, they would always, everyone kind of ripped the people that were uh, being featured because they would say, I'm preparing for, you know, uh, you know, polar shift or whatever, or I'm preparing for a pandemic. And, you know, it's, uh, everyone is like, who just, you know, who just prepares for one thing? And really that was the producers who just wanted one thing to kind of go out there. I don't think anybody just prepares for one big thing, right? Now, some people would say, well, I prepare for EMP, and then that would cover everything. You know, I, I, I like here, I like John's uh, idea here is like, you're not just preparing for one big thing like that. Start, you're preparing because pre- 
preparations and being prepared, uh, living a prepared or self-reliant mindset is just common sense. It's what our ancestors did because they didn't have 24-7 Walmarts and, you know, it just, it was smart to do that. And so you're preparing because it makes sense, because Murphy always happens, because things always happen, because people lose jobs, because you have a blackout that might last a couple of days, because the hurricane can come through and, and do more damage than you thought, because you can have flash floods, because, you know, all, all the other things that are more uh, realistic than the big, you know, the big ones that are going to end the world. And so I uh, love that one there. Don't get caught up on the specifics, but just prepare. Uh, be well-rounded in that. Number five is don't focus on one area of prepping. In planning your preparedness effort, do not focus on one aspect of preparedness. Do not say, well, I'll get my food stocked up and then go to water. This is a common practice in all areas should be worked on over time so your preparedness system remains somewhat balanced. Completely agree on this one. So if you, you know, prepare, I, I, when you're preparing and you're thinking about food and water and those kinds of things, Think more in time frames. So like I want to prepare for a month, right? I want to make sure I have a month of food and a month of water uh, for my family. And then go ahead and jump up from there to two months or three months and then and then move from there. You might you might even want to start off with a week. I want to have a week's worth of extra food and water for my family. And start with that when you're talking about food and water. Of course, you know, gear, you're not going to be prepping in, in time frames like that. Uh, at least not for the most part, but you know, you know that that's that's where you really need to uh, you need to focus a little bit more on on all of that instead of just focusing on one area and then you know waiting for that to be uh, you know taken care of. I remember someone I can't remember who we were talking with, but someone said uh, that they were preparing or they were they were going to make sure that they were financially set before they started having babies. And one of the things that, you know, you always hear is you'll never be financially set to have babies. You know, poor people have babies. Rich people have babies. Babies are going to come. You just, you know, you just deal with it. And so you'll never be ready. You'll never, you'll never find your food storage will ever be 100%, you know, so you don't want to just wait to get that done and move on to water or anything else. All right. All right. Number six is you don't, you do not have to spend a fortune. Most of the basic supplies needed to be put back can be purchased at the grocery store, dollar store, and discount store such as Walmart. Think about what would be needed for going camping. A massive solar system costing $10,000 is not needed, but would be nice. Okay, got to agree with that. Uh, again, if, you, if you're independently wealthy and you're good and you got tons of money, go for it. But if you, you know, if you're like the rest of us, like most of us out there listening to this podcast, then you're preparing and you're doing it a little bit at a time and you do not have to, you know, spend all your money. Do not ever, please do not ever uh, spend money on credit cards to, to be prepared. I, I think that's that's not uh, that's not wise because you, you'll see some of the things online like, oh my gosh, here it is. It's going to be the end of the world. And you go run up your charge cards and then nothing happens. And uh, that would just be a foolish, foolish move. All right. Number seven is educate yourself. A boatload of preparedness information is available on the internet. Read articles, watch YouTube videos, and most importantly, use some common sense when getting this information. Fear-mongering is everywhere. So uh, definitely, I'm always going to point you to Prepper website. We post the best of the best every single day, and so go check that out. Number eight, keep your car at least half full and full of gas, a full gas can at home. 
Gas lines and shortages don't bode well for an expedient departure when your gas is running on empty. Keep it at least half full and have a reserve. Good advice there. Number nine, put together a bug out bag or kit. Using the camping analogy, again, review needed supplies once the bug out location is reached. Typically, using a backpack is recommended. However, I prefer a rugged tote box for storing supplies. This tote could be kept in a car or trunk, SUV, or in the home. Point being, a kit needs to be put together so that if needed, it can be grab-and-go scenario. Number 10. Prepare yourself mentally. No doubt you've thought of a variety of situations that may occur. Now is the time to visualize them over and over in your mind. The purpose of this is to prepare mentally for what might happen before it actually occurs. Should some unfortunate event take place, you will be more mentally prepared due to the visualization exercises conducted. Um, and I've, you know, we got the the Olympics going on right now. Sometimes you'll see they'll they'll show an Olympic skier going down, or or you know, doing their their pre warm up whatever before they actually go downhill. And there, sometimes you'll see them leaning, and they are visualizing themselves leaning into uh, leaning into you know turns and curves and things like that. Uh, because they're very familiar with the route that they're going to be taking, and that might be very helpful for us as well. Uh, did a little, did an article about that a while back. And sometimes the mind, when you are heavy into visualization, right? And I'm not talking about doing any kind of freaky stuff, but just I'm talking about just closing your eyes and really going through a scenario. Sometimes the the brain can be tricked into really feeling like you're in that situation, right? If you really, uh, you're really focused on it and you're really reflecting on that number 11 is purchase a firearm if you do not own one there are a variety of situations where the need for firearms could come into play civil unrest rioting crime waves etc can cause innocent citizens to become violent crimes crime victims even the playing field by having a firearm if you read this and go out and buy a gun make absolutely certain you are also purchased training The mere ownership of a firearm does not constitute the ability to use it and defend yourself. You know, we're going to read an article about Venezuela here in just a minute. And that's one thing that puts Americans so far uh, in a different situation than other countries because we can defend ourselves because because if needed you know those firearms are out there and you imagine you think about some of these other countries who are having to just deal with you know uh dictatorships and things like that and they're stuck and that's all they have and so uh, i i like that one uh line there even the playing field by having a firearm uh and that is on so many different levels number 12 is alternate forms of cooking if the grid goes down, preparing meals will still need to take place. While most of us have gas or charcoal grills at home, how much fuel is available? How about a fire pit along with enough wood to last? A propane camp grill with a dozen or so canisters is a good start. Extra propane tanks for your gas grill are fairly cheap. Charcoal, stock up on sell and keep it dry. Although those discovering preparedness at this point in time may be a bit late to the game, there's no better time than now to start, so get into it. Don't go overboard and run up credit card debt. One step at a time will get you to your destination. All right, I don't know if it, if, if it really is too late or too late to get into the game. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard that from different people throughout the years, and here we are, 2018, uh, you know, February 2018, and, uh, you know, I, 
I, I say get into it and go for it. You know, just be smart about it. Be purposeful about it. Don't don't go crazy doing all kinds of weird stuff. Uh, make sure you have a plan. That is the biggest thing. We talk about that all the time. Make sure you have a plan and you're purposeful. And if you have any questions on that, come on over to the Facebook group or you know hit me up on email, and I, I'd love to point you to some uh, point you to some resources out there. All right, our next article comes to us from uh, thepreppingguide.com. It's been a while since we read one from thepreppingguide.com. And this one's entitled Venezuela Collapse, Survival of a Prepper in the World's Worst Economy. And uh, this one's actually written by the Venezuelan prepper. And uh, it's, uh, his name is Jose. And uh, he's given us a first-person account of what's going on in uh, Venezuela. And so it's very, very interesting there. And uh, so I'm going to go ahead and read this one, and then I'll come back and uh, comment on this just a little bit. In this series, you will look at what life is like for a family man living in a social and economic collapse. The writer of these posts is a middle-class Venezuelan in a country which has the worst highest inflation rate at 254.9%. Venezuela is a financial collapse nightmare with extreme shortages of food, riots, severe hunger, a crippled economy, crumbling infrastructure, collapsed healthcare systems, and a failing government. The Venezuela collapse has escalated to a breakdown in social order, putting Venezuela at the top of Latin America's most homicidal nations. The rate of Venezuelans murdered is now 20 times that of the U.S. Here is the first in a series of posts from the Venezuelan prepper. I started prepping when I first found out that I was going to be a father. All types of concerns came into my mind, keeping me awake late at night and distracted during the day. My take on those problems was with a logical approach, a methodology I have grown to use when solving problems in my role in the oil industry. Think about the scenario. Our newborn baby has a fever, it is raining and suddenly the lights go out. Almost a daily occurrence here. So what do I need to fix that? I might need a power generator, flashlights, and candles. Easy. Let's suppose, for instance, our car suddenly breaks down and there is no food at home. Also a common occurrence. We might need a larger freezer and a well-stocked pantry with a long shelf life foods. Check. And so on. You get the picture of how my mental process was at the time. These were my thoughts when I was living in a normal modern country, not the Venezuela you see today. My main goal in life was to retire early so I could enjoy more time with my family. To look at doing such a thing, I started to educate myself with mainstream financial advice books, mostly Kioski's books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. For me, it wasn't just about retiring early. It was also about becoming more self-sufficient and frugal so that I could provide for my family should things start to get really bad around here in Venezuela. Thank God I prepared because they got real bad. Prepping at the first sign of political trouble. Why would I be expecting things to get worse? You would have to with all of the political noise towards the end of the former president Hugo Chavez's time in Venezuela. In the months leading up to his death, we knew that a conflict was more than possible with someone only time would tell. For some of us, the reality was that our country could easily slip off the edge and become crippled under a poorly ran government. So we started to prepare for the worst and thank God because now Venezuela is the worst economic and social collapse of our time. This, if I analyze it objectively, was a great move. We were able to cope with the beginning of the crisis without too much trouble. And just before the spike of the collapse came through, we were able to buy most of the extra supplies we needed at low prices. 
This was especially the case as a lot of people lost their jobs and were in debt, so we were able to buy extra supplies in their urgent garage sales. Some of these things were a duck's top portable induction cooktop. I got it for much cheaper than they sell for on Amazon. A cheap used game for the kids to play and leave my computer alone so I can take up freelancing. A ham radio and a range of construction tools for repairs and projects. No doctors, no medicine, and a rising mortality rate. At the time, for me, the logical decision was quitting my job. This was despite the full coverage medical insurance for my entire family, including my parents. This was one of the main benefits that the state oil company provided to the employees, and it was the best insurance in the country. Why did I give my health insurance up? Without medicine and doctors, that that insurance would have been hopeless. You see, just before the collapse, all the doctors migrated due to budget cuts, and most of the medicine now is from the black market as the government can't afford to stock hospitals with medicine. This has left most hospitals and doctors' clinics with nothing more than painkillers to treat you with. As members of a country that once offered great health care, we now have to be completely self-sufficient. The lack of health care services has claimed thousands of innocent lives. There is even a recent announcement in one of Venezuela's biggest public hospitals in Ciudad Bolivar that the mortality rate for newborns has reached 40%. This is the reality of surviving in a country's collapse. Yes, things can go this bad. Some of my savings in hard currency, there is no point in the accumulation of the national currency, were for getting some medicine and food. Once we had depleted my savings, I knew things were going to get worse in an exponential trend. I read enough about history to know this. Let me go back up here to um, talking about the medicine and stuff like that. Think about how important knowing some er herbal remedies would be. And knowing, think about having those, uh, you know, in pots, even if you didn't live like out in the country where you had a little plot where you can grow uh, different, uh, you know, different plants and things like that. Uh, let's say, you know, you just lived in, in, in the city or you lived in, you know, in the suburbs or whatever, but you had potted plants and you were able to grow some herbal remedies. And then think about how valuable you would be if you had those herbal remedies and then you were able to sell them or barter for them or trade them for different services or things that you needed out there and how you could support your family and help your family. Those would be great. I mean, think about what someone would be willing to give up if they knew that their kid uh, was, you know, was sick and they could get some herbal remedy or some herbal medicine. Think about what someone would do, you know, if their parents were sick or if their wife or their spouse or whatever was sick and what they would uh, be willing to do to be able to have things that would help them out and how grateful they would be to you. And so I think that's one of those things that, uh, you know, we, we always talk about, you know, herbal remedies and things like that. And uh, definitely, you know, it's just easier to, to go to the medicine cabinet and, and get out whatever you need or, or run to the drugstore and get whatever you need. But in a situation like they're experiencing in Venezuela, I mean, how powerful would that be if you had that knowledge and were able to help other people with that? All right, continuing on. Food rationing is for those that fail to prepare. I would like to emphasize how fast things went down the toilet these last few years. It goes a lot faster than you can imagine. Until 2015, when the infamous food rationing started, things were more or less running as usual. Those with access to foreign currency, I had an online job as a writer for a finance blog in Spanish, could trade them for currency to make ends meet or buy stuff we needed overseas. It was what a developed country should be like. 
That was until the change of government. The drop in oil sales and a country in debt, which had for its most part been ruined by its predecessors. Once upon a time, we had weight issues from eating too much enjoyable food. Fast forward to anywhere past 2015, and Venezuelans have been lining up for food rations every day. For those of you that don't know, the Venezuelan government runs a very controversial food rationing system to deal with the food crisis. The rationing is also a way to stop wealthier shoppers from buying food and reselling it at a much higher price. Remember, everyone is desperate. The rationing system gives people permission to buy a certain amount of food on specific set days of the week and no more than that. As a result of this, Venezuelans eat no more than twice a day if they are lucky. My family did not suffer the impact so severely as many others just because we made the necessary financial and food preparations. In one circumstance, as an example of how bad things were, an old lady who was a neighbor of ours saw my child and myself coming from the bakery where we had bought some overpriced sweet bread. That old lady asked us for a piece of bread as she could not have any lunch. For Venezuela at that time, this is something that would never happen. It was in the afternoon, so I invited her to our place to have some coffee. She was shocked that we even had milk and sugar. I gave her some sardine cans and half a kilogram of rice, and she went home. My wife and I were sitting in silence, and I said to her, Do you see that all my prepping madness finally is what is getting us through? One of our worst nightmares was to see the food rationing system by the government, as I mentioned above. Sure, we had harsh times, but food was available in our family home. For those who remember the Argentinian collapse and how bad it was, I should mention that it was something that was somehow expected for most of educated and most aware population. They were able to keep it up and adapt themselves, but most of the people suffered an unrealized shock and they weren't ready for. And this is why we saw looting of warehouses, stores, and markets countrywide. Most of the people just didn't see it coming. So how is the situation right now in Venezuela? It's spiraling. Just from my own research and the current understanding from other residents, the country is spiraling further and further, which just makes my need to get my family out of the country more of a priority. Public health. The public health service is practically void. It is so bad that the syringes are being sterilized by boiling and reused. They are no basic medical supplies as saline solution, surgical gloves, and disinfectants. Blood pressure medication, insulin, and antibiotics are more valuable than gold or silver. Food. For food, canned food is more expensive than anything. There is engine oil available, but at very inflated prices for those who earn in local currency. And if you are looking for car and truck spare parts, they are almost unavailable. There is no positive outlook as food processing plants are working at 25% their capacity and most farms have closed down or are unused to run efficiently or unable to run efficiently. All right, so I think that is, and I've said it before, so those of you who have been listening to the podcast, you know I've said this before. I think that is one of the greatest points of sadness when you talk about Venezuela because it is a tropical climate. They should be growing all kinds of great food And so I know that the big farms are not being used, but, you know, would a farmer be, uh, would would they be smart to invite people to come and maybe do some sharecropping or, hey, come and, you know, bring a tent or come live in the structure or whatever, help me grow my, my crops or even if men would go in and do that while their families were at home or whatever, however, you know, you could swing that. 
help me grow crops and then you can take a portion of that to go feed your family and take a portion of it to go sell you know I'll give you so much of it or come and you know work my land for me and you'll get your own plot of land to work as well you know and uh, I just I don't know I don't know if that is just the business part of my mind going on and how I would do things but I, I just can't believe that that goes off you know I was watching some videos and people looked like they were out in the country and they were starving and I'm like why why can't you grow some food right why can't you you know uh, put some seed into the ground whatever that might be and uh, I, you know how helpful would that be for you to be able to do that so I think that is one of the the the, the biggest points of failure here for this country and the farmers that uh, you know that that are running this way, and I know part of it is probably a lot of the farms and government, or, you know, are government owned or taken over by the government, and definitely you know the socialist governments never do anything correct, and they don't know how to do things. But at the same time, I, I wonder if maybe some farmers could do some things back channels or whatever. I mean, I don't know how that all that situation plays out, but I think that's you know what I would be doing, um, you know, if 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 I could swing that. All right, so transport. Airlines are steadily getting their planes out of service because there is no way to get parts or fuel. The public transport system is more than 85% disabled. Finance. The currency control office is not assigning any dollars. The main economic engine of the nation, the state oil company, is broken. The revenues of this company has been decreasing in the last few years as a result of the lack of capital injection for maintenance and operation. This will make things worse in the next two or three months as the steady money supply gets lower. The issue might arise when the elite get first picking over the food because of their money, which the rest suffer without, just like in North Korea. We have the means to spread the knowledge and the means to protect ourselves against unforeseen events. And so uh, just the last little part here, you can donate if you'd like to donate to uh, Jose. Uh, There is a PayPal donation link here, and so that will go to him. He's writing articles to help us to understand what's going on, and hopefully that can be a little blessing for him as well if you choose to, to donate uh, through that PayPal link there. You know, one of the things that I was just thinking about, the collapse happens very slowly. And a lot of the times you don't, you know, you're living it and you just you just adapt. And he, he did mention that here a little bit. And I go back to the Argentine uh, collapse when uh, Fernando Aguirre talks about that. Where, you know, little things start happening, you just adapt to it. You know, slowly but surely, you start paying more for food. You know, you're going into the grocery store and you're buying the things that you need. And the packaging is getting smaller, but the price is still the same. But, you know, it's just you realize that you're spending more money. And it's just a few pennies here, a few nickels here, maybe a few dollars. And you're able to just, you know, to deal with it. But sooner or later, it just it starts to pick up speed. And if you were to look back and say, okay, let me look back at how things were maybe five, ten years ago, you're like, yeah, things are, are a lot more difficult. Uh, things cost a lot more money. I don't have as much extra to spend. Now, definitely, you know, the, the, the medical uh, situation, you know, going to the doctor is a lot more expensive. Uh, insurance costs are, are higher. But there's this part where there's this... Uh, the downward slope starts getting a little bit more severe, right? A little bit more angled, if you would. And you start picking up steam in this collapse. And I think that's kind of what he was talking about 
where you're starting to feel it and then 2015 happens and then boom and all of a sudden i remember i remember reading the articles about that it started and some of you who have been in preparedness for a while maybe uh you have listened or you've read articles from prepper website you remember them as well it started out with like feminine hygiene products right it was hard to get those. And then it started with toilet paper. It was hard to get toilet paper. And then it just seemed like it picked up speed from there. Or in diapers and stuff, right? And then it just picked up speed from there. And so, uh, you know, it's just very easy. So that's why we stay aware of what's going on. That's why we don't close our eyes to, you know, to the world of, of uh, being self-reliant and being prepared. Now, some of you who've been prepping for a long time, you're like, man, I've been prepping for all this time. And, you know, there's always talk about a collapse. There's always talk about the big one. And so some people have taken breaks from preparedness, right? Especially we, we've we heard uh, a lot of this happening as well since Trump got into office. A lot of people backed off of their preparedness. And the thing is that nothing really has changed. Uh, you know, Trump has done some good things. Uh, hopefully, overall for the you know for the for the good of uh, the nation, but overall we still have issues all along in our society. And so, you know, if you've been prepping for the big one, and that is all you have been doing, and, and that's all that has engulfed all your time, well then maybe you do need to back off a little bit and start enjoying life a little bit more. But you don't back off of your preparedness completely. When you put things in place, like you have food storage and you have first in, first out, and uh, you know you have that, you just have those things just kind of going. It becomes part of life, but you don't, you know, give up completely on life. And like, oh, I'm I'm reading nothing but you know prepper fiction, right? And so let me tell you something: when you read nothing but prepper fiction, uh, you stay in a state of of almost panic and anxiety. Because you you're always thinking about hey this could easily happen because you're reading it you're getting in you're getting into these characters and it becomes a part of you know your thought process and you're feeding your mind constantly right so it's just like anything else where we put all our focus onto something and it becomes such a big part of us you know preparedness should be it's common sense it should be something that is in all of us but at the same time we shouldn't uh, let it completely take over our lives. We need to be able to enjoy life. On the flip side of that, there are some of you who are brand new to preparedness and you really haven't done anything. You're kind of, maybe you're listening to the podcast, maybe you're reading some articles and you're like, okay, I'm going to get around to that. But maybe it's time you sit down, you take a Saturday, uh, you take a weeknight to start planning some meals and some menus and uh, so that you can go out and you can buy some canned food and start putting stocking it away in your pantry, right? Maybe you need to have a conversation with your spouse if, and see if they're open to that. And, uh, you know, start a plan. You know, just like you have a, a monthly budget, you should have a monthly budget. You should have a plan for preparedness. And so maybe you need to start there. And so what I'm, I'm advocating more for this balanced lifestyle, right? Where we live our lives, where we, we stay prepared, but we also are staying aware of what is going on in the world. So if things start getting crazier, when we need to start topping off our preparedness and we need to start, you know, maybe going going and taking care of things, kind of like what this guy did, uh, what Jose did in Venezuela, then, you know, uh, you want to be that person that is, is staying aware and prepped on what's going on. So a good article over here at thepreppingguide.com. There's some links that you'll want to check out. And, uh, you know, go, um, you know, go click on these links. 
uh, but a lot of great information here uh, in, in both of these articles. So hopefully to, you know, to start off our week of, uh, of podcast episodes, hopefully you'll uh, maybe start to reflect a little bit on your preparedness and where you're at. You might be good and you might you know, say, hey, there are some, uh, some areas in our preparedness where we need to, uh, to shore up. All right, guys, so that's it for episode 248. Thanks for starting your week off with me. With that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.